So like I said, tonight is story night, and this is a great tradition that we have here at SCUM, where people from our community come up and they tell us their story. This is uh, testimonies, this is my story with God, this is my life story, this is who um, I have become, um, and who I come to SCUM as, and who I am right now. Um, this is, it, it's a beautiful thing, it's how we learn to know each other, is by telling each other our stories. And it, it really does bind us together. Um, as a community. Um, tonight, we have, we have two stories, and uh, I've asked Becca to come up and give her story, and uh, yeah, come on up and I'll pray for us as we start. Father, I thank you for this community that you've given us, for the love that you have shown scum of the earth. I thank you for each individual person sitting in this room tonight, maybe listening on the podcast or whatever, God, that you have picked us individually. You looked down and you saw us and you loved us, Father. We thank you and we love you back. And we just give these stories to you tonight, Father. And bless this night in Jesus' name. Amen. So, like Steve said, I am Becca, or Wild, depending on how you know me. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, and I don't ever remember not knowing that Jesus was my Savior, but knowing and believing are not always the same thing. Um, my dad grew up Catholic, and my mom Methodist, so I had a decent big mix of both while growing up. Um, we moved a lot when I was a kid, and their agreement was always to check out both churches in a new place and then pick which one they liked best. I mostly grew up in Methodist Sunday schools and went to a Christian elementary school. I had a pretty strong faith, and I regularly read my Bible. Middle school was a hard time for me faith-wise. There was a lot of changes with changing schools and churches that left me feeling alienated. Um, I switched over to the Catholic school, and my family started attending Catholic services. Um, I had attended plenty of masses over the years, but it just seemed different since everything had changed at once, and this new church was just thrust upon me, um, as was converting to Catholicism. Um, I wasn't brought in into any of that decision-making, and it was just a little confusing, that whole thing. Um, high school was another school system, another state. This was when my relationship with God started growing again. I felt his presence in the Mass and the sacraments. I had Christian friends, and we helped each other grow and understand this thing we call faith. By my senior year, a friend and I were going to morning Mass together every Friday before school. After high school, I moved again for college, joined a couple different campus ministry groups, and things were good. I was active in small groups and had mentors, but towards the end of my time in college, I started to slip away. I was in a bad relationship and, in general, a rough time of life. I had compartmentalized my faith to time at church services, and I was only going through the motions. I was using alcohol to deal with life's difficulties at the time. That relationship did not get any better, and I drank more. He raped me, and I stayed. I felt like I didn't have any value. I was worthless, and therefore I didn't deserve better. But not so much that I did not deserve better, but that I did deserve what I had gotten. A few months later, 
after I couldn't seem to remember a time when I was not crying in despair every day. I prayed for the first time in a long time, actually prayed. God pretty clearly laid out two paths for me, continue down the path of destruction I was on or choose him again. So I left. I left that relationship to find myself in God and I actually walked out of the apartment that night. I wish I could tell you it was smooth sailing from that time on, but I still had a lot to struggle through. Depression had set in deeply, and I cried myself to sleep every night for at least another year and a half. Um, I still had a serious drinking problem. I took a job in Northwest Texas to get away and moved to a small town where I knew no one. And boy, is that the kind of place for God to do some work on your soul. I hated it there, but God did a lot of work on me in that time. I found a church and I started attending an evening rosary service every Wednesday. It was a holy place to go and pray with other people and begin to heal. I felt a bit like I had to relearn how to pray. I went on a retreat and ended up in a women's group in my church. Being surrounded by a room full of women with strong faith who had all had their own struggles was an encouragement to me. They helped me through a lot of my hurt and I eventually quit drinking. One way I have always encountered God is in nature. Um, it wasn't so easy to get out in nature where I was at in Texas. The closest I had to a park was a cemetery two blocks from where I lived. Uh, I would walk to the cemetery usually at night when I was really struggling. I had a favorite tree and I'd climb it and just sit in there and pray. Uh, at one end of the cemetery there is a statue of Jesus on the cross with Mary at his feet. Some nights I ended up there. Let me tell you, it's powerful to be kneeling at the feet of an almost life-size Jesus as he hangs on a cross. To look up at a statue of Jesus dying for me while I'm struggling in the depths of despair. To be reminded that Jesus actually died for me. God suffered my punishment because he thought I was worth it. I had a ways to go, but I was getting to a place where I could allow God to love me again and learn to believe that I was worthy. I moved to Denver and struggled to keep my life focused on God. I slowly slipped back into performing the motions of faith instead of living it. Even after God had chased me down and pulled me back to him, I was wandering away again. A couple years ago, I finally took a teammate up on the offer to visit her church I cried through most of that first service, remembering how much undeserved love I've received from God. And once again, he offered me his hand to lift me up, and I took it. I've joined a couple Bible studies since then and have been working on focusing my life more on God and his will. Recently, I've talked with a friend about how Paul says in 1 Corinthians to hand over a sinner to Satan for the destruction of flesh that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Earlier in the book, he says that Jesus Christ is our only foundation, but then we build on top of that foundation. Whatever we build up our lives with will be tested with fire. He says, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. And I can't help but think of my life. I have that foundation of Jesus but my house was not built of good and sturdy things. I had not focused a lot of my life on the Lord. 
and he sure did burn it down around me. It wasn't all bad to be sure. I still had a wall or two that stood after the fire. I don't believe it was punishment, although it felt that way at the time. He said I'd suffer loss, but would still be saved. I believe God cleared out all the things that were not good for me so that we could start over and rebuild. God and I are still rebuilding. It's hard a lot of the time, but we're working on it. Depression has been getting me for a few weeks now, but it's different than it had been in the past. It's not as deep. My relationship with God and with the people he's put in my life has been a constant reminder that I do have worth and I am a valued child of God. God is persistent. He keeps pulling me back after I walk away. And you know what still gets me? God wants me, my messy disaster of a self. I'm sure the rest of my journey will have its share of ups and downs, but I have a confidence in God's love now that I didn't always have. Thanks, Becca. It means a lot that you share your story with us. Um, ben, everybody, this is Ben Dunning. He is the mastermind behind most of the PowerPoint. He is a very faithful servant to SCUM. And just, uh, yeah, listen to what he has to say. That doesn't work. Okay. I'll try to look at everybody else and not look down. Um, to get started here, um, uh, in, in my experience, God's been pretty weird and wonderful at the same time. Um, my life has looked different than a lot of folks. Um, and my hope is is that in the process of sharing my story, you don't wind up looking at, you know, me different, but perhaps you'll look at God differently and be more open to seeking him out more strongly, because for me, that's made all the difference in my life. Um, I'm going to start off with a, uh, with a little scripture verse. Uh, it's from Joshua 1.9. It was one that we had been uh, sharing around here for a while. Um, week of February 2019. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then to kind of balance that out, I have a little quote from Dorothy Day. Um, we must talk about poverty because people insulted by their own comfort lose sight of it. Um, so uh, growing up, my uh, life experience was that uh, I got teased incessantly at school. Um, it made me withdraw from the world. Um, um, I began to daydream, I began to fantasize. I didn't trust people, but I desperately wanted to be known, and I desperately wanted to be understood. Um, a lot of my um, self-esteem came from knowing stuff. I was the little kid in class who couldn't wait to answer the questions, because if I knew stuff, I would get acknowledgement. Oftentimes, um, you know, I was ignored at home, um, my parents were struggling and young and scared, and there wasn't a whole lot of interaction in the family. 
dad would be watching TV and sports and mom would be upstairs reading and my brother and I would be kind of bored and if we had any outbursts that kind of wasn't allowed. Um, my parents took us to church growing up, but we weren't a family of faith. Um, other than Christmas and New Year's, that was it for, for prayer in the house. Nobody talked about scripture. Um, it was just outside of our whole experience. But I liked it. And it was a little frustrating to me as a kid growing up. Um, and one of the struggles I had was some disagreements I had with my parents. Um, because while I was getting teased and I would ask for help, my dad's advice was, well, punch them in the nose and they won't bother you anymore. But what I had learned from Sunday school was you're supposed to be turning the other cheek. It's got to be a better way. But I didn't have any other support or mentorship from that, so I really struggled. And I withdrew, and I withdrew, and I withdrew. Um, as I grew older, um, you know, began to study the Bible, try to understand it better, um, and I was pretty knowledgeable. Read the thing over and over, lots of commentaries and things like that. Talked to hot shots, went to layman hermeneutics classes and that kind of stuff. And I was, I was a pretty big fan of God, um, but I didn't really know God. Um, and I didn't understand that at the time. I thought, this is what you do to know God. Um, it seemed like everything in my life where I would try to walk into those directions all of my support groups and family would draw me back. Why would you be interested in that kind of stuff? Those are those religious people. Um, in my first marriage, I remember one night we were having one of those, well, we need to make some changes. What's going to be different? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up now that you've already grown up? Uh, mentioned the different kinds of things. And one of the things I mentioned was the ministry. And her response um, was rather interesting. She said, I was wondering when you would get to that. Um, I guess the writing was kind of on the wall with that. So um, life went on. Uh, part of my withdrawal method was um, I had issues with, uh, with pornography. It led to the, um, uh, the destruction of two marriages and uh, relationships with two sets of uh, in-laws and my own personal family. Um, until finally I had blown up enough of my life where I had wound up homeless. Um, so I'm going to read this again. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So I went homeless um, in the fall of 2008. Uh, and a couple of weeks after I went homeless, there was this big stock market crash, so I wasn't able to work my way out of stuff, so I was really stuck. Um, yeah, I'm not going to talk about the health issue I had at the same time, it'd take too long. <laughs> um, but one of the things I discovered was everything that people had told me about homelessness up until that point was not what I was experiencing. Most of the other folks that were out in homeless land, they weren't drug addicted. Yeah, some were, but that wasn't the most of it. Um, you know, usually somebody had some sort of story of something else that had happened into their life. Um, 
And early on, um, I was, you know, I was feeling ashamed of my life. Um, I was feeling a failure to God. I mean, I knew all this stuff, you know, why did I behave in this way and whatnot? And so um, I would be restless a lot and I would walk and walk and walk um, and, and pray and talk to God. And, and, and the major prayer I had in those days is what's next? Now what? What's next? Now what? And it was the first time I actually heard from God. Um, and God said, um, 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 I'm with you. And I was like, that's not what's next. But it was encouraging because it didn't come from me. It says, he says, I'm with you and don't be afraid. Um, walks and walks. And the message repeated. It wasn't like some burning bush moment. It was like, yeah, I'd be walking along for a while, worrying about the day. And then I'd hear it. And then I'd hear it, not audibly, inside my head. And it was like, Okay. So I began to take steps in along that. And for the four and a half years that I was homeless and out on the street, um, it didn't feel like punishment. Um, uh, for me, um, uh, homelessness was a time of, um, of freedom and healing, um, which I found really amazing. Um, I learned a whole lot of things about how to live in this world differently, to honor God, honor people, and honor community. After about a year, uh, being homeless for about a year was when I found scum. Um, and at the time, we had a bunch of uh, train riding crusty punks that uh, used to hang out here. And those kids taught me how to live without money. Uh, they also taught me how to live in community, how to be accepting of other people. Um, they also taught me that they were better read than most of the um, theologians I knew before I went homeless and whatnot. Because not only did they read those commentaries and things that I read, but they had read all this other stuff. Um, this, this, you know, they'd read Marx and Bart and I don't know what all, all the other kind of stuff. And so in the process, I'm learning like, wow, there's a whole lot more out there uh, than what I had expected. Um, Checking my notes here, just so that I don't go on for three hours here. So, for the time that I was homeless and, and going here, going here to scum, uh, the the community here was really um, different because there's a whole bunch of different people. Um, there was a lot of people that were living in the building, um, and I never really trusted that I was welcome and included in all of that, despite everything that people would tell me. I would wind up self-excluding myself. That was the experience of my life. I'd been excluded from everything, I'd, um, you know, um, either through when I was younger, getting teased, or older, you know, self-sabotaging my life, excluding myself out from a lot of things. Um, so how to transition this? So I have been So I'd been living successfully as a homeless person for, for many years. And I was thinking like, okay, this is my lot in life and I'm okay with it. 
Um, but I need to do something with this. And so that brings us to the, the next phase of my life is, um, is I have a plan. And boy, did I have a plan. Um, after experiencing homelessness and discovering that it didn't look like the way other people talked about it, I was going to tell everybody about it. I had this idea. It was called Zero Meets 15 Ministries, after a song for a band that founded SCUM, and because it was about where Broadway and Colfax cross, and that's a pretty big metaphor for what goes on in regards to homelessness here in the city. And so my plan was to learn how to fundraise, like all the pastors at SCUM, who were all my friends, and to, uh, um, and to teach homeless folks who often self-exclude themselves in addition to what they get excluded, how to live a full life. Because I was living a full life, so I must have the answers. And then also to teach churches how to receive homeless folks into their communities. Because one of the things that happens is that um, when a homeless person walks into any kind of church community, um, there's typically a bubble. They don't know how to go through it. The church doesn't know how to go in it. And I was the one with the answers, or so I thought. Um, mostly I was responding to a need. I knew something had to be done, and, um, and this was my plan. Then something, um, but it wasn't God's plan. Um, while I had all this insight and this knowledge and this experience, um, nothing really worked out. I went and talked to a whole bunch of people. I got tokenized a lot. You know, I talked to a lot of service providers and pastors and things like that. And they said, nice homeless man. <laughs> um, we don't disagree with you, but good luck with that. Um, and that was a little frustrating, but I wasn't daunted. Uh, and then something happened here in the city. Um, in 2012, um, the city passed something called um, the unauthorized camping ordinance. And a lot of my friends out on the I was still homeless at the time, a lot of my friends out on the street says, we want you to go down there to city council and find out what's going on. You've been talking to all these important people and then telling us about it. So I went down there and ran into something that I really had a distaste for. Um, politicians, policy makers, government officials. And then when I would talk to them, they would make things sound good, but they had it wrong. And then when I would tell them that they have it wrong and what little data was available that they were wrong, um, suddenly I felt um, there was like this transition. Um, first I went down there and they realized that I knew something about what was going on and then I became an asset for them. Oh, let's get you on the Homeless Advisory Council. Oh, let's put you on the team to uh, develop the, uh, the vulnerability index. You have some, um, you know, you have a background in statistics and whatnot, and you seem to know these things. And in the process, I was feeling slimed. I was feeling manipulated. Um, and at the same time, there was all these social activists, and they had it wrong too, as far as I was concerned. Um, they came at these folks that were trying to get these policies going, and they were all angry, and they were throwing stones, and the very people that they needed to work out with, there was a lot of bad blood. 
I got really, f I backed away from all of that stuff. Um, I got really frustrated and discouraged. Ah, God, this will work. What is this stuff? Because doors were flying open for me. So I got discouraged and, and, and moped around for a while and wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, and um, then some folks came to me, some of those social activist types came by and they said, uh, we're gonna do this study. We're gonna go ask the homeless um, how this camping ban's working out for them. So my plan in is, and it was like, I was gonna go tell all those social activists that they had it wrong. You're gonna go ask people who live by the mission and not go anywhere else in the city and you're gonna miss most of what's going on in the land. So here is this, I have my plan, I have my plan, I have my plan, I have my plan. And I was really struggling with that. I was also struggling with a lot of self-righteous anger at the time. Um, at the time we had this thing um, going on at SCUM, we called it prayer therapy. It was some pretty. It was a pretty intense prayer group that went on for about a year or so, and you know, one of the one of the cries that I had in that was this anger. Every time I got close to that stuff, I was angry. I was frustrated. Nobody was getting it right. Um, but then there's also the flip side that I thought I had all the answers to all of that, um, and. And I was really, really frustrated was the people who were working for change were going about it in such a way that the very people they wanted to change, they were alienating them. And they were trying to champion people who were being alienated. And I just saw that as, ugh. Um, oh, where are my notes? So, one of the things that I struggled with in a lot of this stuff, um, because of my sense of what I thought what hypocrisy was, hypocrisy was, was I was really um, resistant to tell my own story. Um, my thought was that it's not about me, you know, it's about the cause. Um, it's, it's about the people. Um, when I was doing Zero Meets 15 home uh, ministries, you know, I was talking about the ideals and a lot of meta stuff and about how it could work. And friends says, well, you should tell people your story. Um, they'll support you financially if you tell your story. And I'm like, well, that's kind of shallow um, because then it becomes about me. And I already knew I had a problem with that. Um, then later when I ran into the city and they were saying like, oh, let's turn you into a homeless Christmas puppy. You know, we'll make this about you. And I'm like, no, it's about, it's about the cause. So the next phase of my life um, was less about what I was going to do and all the answers that I have. It was, it was more about learning to submit to what God's plan was going to be for my life. Um, I complained and argued all along the way. Most of you have heard a lot of that. Um, and to learn how to trust that and then see what God would do with it. Um, so what happened was, was 
rather than um, I started working with those social activist types and I kind of submitted to the cause. Um, and I'm like, well, this is all political. That's not gonna work out, but at least it's something to do, you know? Maybe I could dig up a whole bunch of data that nobody seems to want to acknowledge and I can put that in the face of people of power. Well, what happened in the process of that is um, instead of um, a lot of this policy wonking things um, is uh, God saw to it that we began to build a platform for people who um, otherwise wouldn't have a platform. Uh, some of the work that we were doing had homeless individuals talking to the mayor on a regular basis, city council members on a regular basis, service providers on a regular basis, and people's lives were being changed. Their lives were starting to get full, um, just like what I had imagined with my own little plan. But it wasn't happening the way that I expected. And it also wasn't very clean. It was really, really messy. I mean, the, the nuances in people who have a lot of trauma um, speaking their voice to power um, winds up being messy because they don't change right away or maybe even at all. But at the same time, a voice that wasn't being heard was getting heard. Um, well, that was down the wrong, uh, see here. So one of, the, one of the things that I really struggled with in my, in my anger in going through all of this was I was really angry and one of my anger points was where was the church? Um, because I had noticed that in a place where there was a need, uh, the church was absent. There were social activists, there were politicians, there were service providers, but the church was not there. And I was really, really, really frustrated with that. Um, and what would happen oftentimes when I would be um, speaking to folks on that subject, um, it would come out very angry. It would come out very, y'all got this wrong. Um, and I still struggle with that. So I am still in the process of learning more how to submit to how God wants to do things, um, how to not alienate people in order to uh, work for uh, in order to work for change. A couple other things is um, um, one of the things I also still struggle with is. Uh, is people's hope for my life. Um, um, versus God's purpose in it. Um, one of the things that happens when you think that you're on a mission from God is that there, there is this crazy thing that happens out on the world and it's very, it's very deceptive where things become less about people and people's needs and they become about institutions and ideas. 
Um, and the thing that has strengthened my relationship with God has always been um, community, uh, being open with others, uh, bearing in the mess. It's okay if things are messy, as long as we're together, we can continue to work it out. Back in the old glory days when I was homeless and out on the street, you know, um, I was in such need, I didn't have a lot of responsibility towards things. Now that I have some responsibility towards some things, it becomes a lot more, um, becomes a lot more complicated. Um, Towards the end of um, um, my time out on the street, um, some folks from SCUM came up to me and they said, hey, Ben, um, you know you can stay in the building. And I didn't want to believe them, although a lot of people that I had associated with had and did stay in the building. So they set me up in the garage. Um, but it was temporary. And then later, one of my friends who went here says, hey, if you're gonna do all of this social activism stuff, why don't you come stay with us? Um, and that got me um, connected with the Catholic worker movement. Um, and so a lot of this stuff, um, God just carries me through stuff and I've, I, and I've gotten to the point where I just trust it implicitly, despite tripping over myself. Um, I don't have a lot of problem saying pretty much anything because I have a life where I haven't said things. Um, yeah, I'm a great public speaker, but I guess that'll do it. <laughs> The end. Ooh, that boy can talk, can he? Um, thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. So now we're going to do a, a community thing, um, taking communion. Um, this is a... This is the thing that God has given us, that Jesus gave us to remember his sacrifice. When he was uh, at the Last Supper, he was hanging out with his friends, and he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body. Um, eat this in remembrance of me. You know, and then he took the cup after the supper, and he, um, he blessed it, and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me. And it was, it was a total, like, community thing, like, all of his friends got together and they did this thing together and they remember him. So tonight we're going to do it a little bit different. Um, we've done it in the past where we have people up here and they serve communion. What we're going to do is we're going to make a line and you will take communion and then you will turn around and you will serve the person behind you. So um, as you tear off a piece of the bread, you say to them, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And as they dunk it into the grape juice, and you say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And just as a community, we are serving each other. 
and we're serving each other with the blood and the body of Jesus. Like it's this beautiful thing that we come here together to worship God, to remember the sacrifice, to accept God's love, and to shine God's love on each other. So um, I'm going to, um, I'll be the first one, and then um, whoever is next, I'll pass that to them, and then we just pass it on down the line until we're done. Um, so I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask um, God to bless this form of worship. And then, uh, will there be prayer cave tonight, guys? Yeah, there will be. So there will be somebody in the prayer cave down there if you would like prayer. Um, and go down there, talk to Isaac. He's a great guy. He's all about prayer. So, um, yeah. Father, I thank you for this night. I thank you for our stories that you have given us, God. You are the best thing that could ever happen to us, Father. Um, you are a big deal. We love you so much, and we thank you for loving us. We thank you for picking us. We thank you for even through our garbage and our crap that you still love us, Father. God, I ask that you would bless this offering, this, this communion that we do tonight, God, that it would be a reminder to us, like deeply a reminder, that you died for us. Um, bless the rest of this worship in Jesus' name. Amen.